Good morning. This is Christine DiGiacomo, and today's morning briefing is called Let's Talk About Jesus. It wasn't that long ago I went to lunch with two soccer moms, one who was born and raised in Japan. When she learned a little about me, she quietly said, I am a good candidate to be a Christian. Oh, why is that? I casually asked, taking a bite of one very great taco. Well, because I went all of my school years to a Catholic school, and I know a lot about Jesus. Well then, why don't you believe in him? I asked. Oh, I do, but I don't want to abandon my other gods. See, in my country, we have the Shinto religion, and we believe in many gods. We pray to different gods for individual things, such as fertility, weddings, and at the time of death, things like that. I don't want to miss out on those things. And then she lowered her eyes and rather demurely chuckled. To most Western Christians, the idea of many gods seems foreign at the outset. But in practice, I think our culture has become rather polytheistic, whether we know or recognize the reality. Oh, we don't want to offend, and we must be open-minded. So we think that Jesus plus other things can't be too harmful, right? You know what I'm saying. Jesus plus positive thinking. Jesus plus some Buddhist principles. Jesus plus New Age beliefs, etc. Then we've got all the bases covered, too. Just like my soccer mom friend. Of course, I believe Jesus was a great moral teacher. However, it does not work, because that kind of thinking is antithetical to a holy God. Have you read the Ten Commandments lately? The first one reads, You shall have no other gods before me. No idols, no bowing down, no worship of another god. Period. Why? Because God said, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. And then, of course, in Colossians, Paul explains the supreme position of the Son of God in relation to God the Father. I really love this passage, and this is the... um, Translation, um, the J.B. Phillips, which is, is awesome. Colossians 1. Now Christ is the visible expression of the invisible God. He existed before creation began, for it was through him that everything was made, whether spiritual or material, seen or unseen. Through him and for him also were created power and dominion ownership, and authority. In fact, every single thing was created through and for him. He is both the first principle and the upholding principle of the whole scheme of creation. Hmm, no other gods before him. Ponder that a moment. Jesus, Son of God, creator of all things, external and internal, visible and invisible, He who has always been equal with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. He who says, you shall have no other gods before me. Jesus plus nothing. In the next week or two, we're going to be looking at the essentials of the Christian faith and 
and weighing them against even um, what we looked at for Islam. And in the coming week, uh, LDS, both looking at the life of Joseph Smith as the leader and then also the teachings of the LDS Church. But let me give you first, in brief, the first five essentials of the Christian faith. Number one, God is eternal, no beginning, no end. Number two, God is triune, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Number three, God is the Creator. And again, I'll go into detail and give you the scriptural references for these in the coming days, but right now, the first five in brief. Number four, sin separated us from God. And number five, grace was God's redemption plan. Now, number six, seven, eight, and nine are about Jesus. God's instrument of grace was Jesus Christ, God incarnate. That is to say, God in the flesh. Jesus was born of a virgin, foretold by the prophet Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14, and he was fully human, fully, uh, fully divine. The birth of Jesus was announced to Joseph by the angel, which we just recently looked at in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, and again, Matthew 3, verse 17. Eternal life was made possible for us because of Jesus' death on the cross. Jesus' suffering was foretold by the prophet Isaiah in chapter 53 of that book, verses 1 through 6. And then it's described in Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, verse 8, and in John 3, verse 16. If you're looking at this written morning briefing, you'll have all these references and can look them up, which I highly suggest that you do. Next, Jesus Christ did what he said he would do. He rose from the grave. You see, all of Christianity hangs on the resurrection. Check the historians of the day, not just the writers of Scripture. The resurrection was a recognized, miraculous occurrence. We serve a risen Savior. Yes! 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4 in Acts chapter 2, verses 23 and 24, where Peter was speaking to a large crowd who would have shouted him down were things not known and accepted. Jesus was crucified, and he rose from the grave. After the resurrection, Jesus appeared to the disciples and others. Jesus assured his loved ones that he had indeed done what he had told them he would do. John 20, verse 27, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 5 and 6, and Acts chapter 1, verse 3. I love the first chapter of Acts. Number eight, the eighth essential um, about Jesus Christ. He ascended into heaven to return to the right hand of the Father. He stayed with the disciples and friends 40 more days and then assumed his rightful place in glory. Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. What a glorious homecoming it must have been. Can you just picture God the Father welcoming home His beloved Son? Nine out of the, out of the essentials. Christ will come again. 
in the same way he left, in the clouds. You see, this is not the end of the story, what you and I know right now. We die, and, and then we're buried for the believer heaven. This is not the end of the story with this earth. One day Christ is coming back for his children. 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 and 17, that Paul wrote that we would not be ignorant of what is to come. And also Acts chapter 1, verse 11. Yes, Paul had gone, had gone on to say that besides creating all things, Jesus also redeemed us, saved us from ourselves, from sin, from eternal separation from God. For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ, and now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless. We must never add something to Jesus. It must never be Jesus plus anything else. Nor can we ever say he was just a great teacher. Realize, you can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us, and he did not intend to. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior give you and me grace and peace.